Well, what's going on, everybody? It is so good to see you today. And let me explain why we are doing things like this. For Jessica and I, our 2020 ended pretty much on pace with how most of it went. Uh, we went down to Arkansas to visit some family for Christmas. And while we were there, we were uh, some of my family got COVID. Uh, the Razorback game that I had hoped to watch with my family got canceled. And uh, icy, snowy weather caused us to cut our trip short. So uh, because of all of that, Jessica and I are uh, quarantining for the next uh, however long we're supposed to do it for, 10 or 14 days. Um, and we're good. We're fine. Most of my family, uh, all of my family that uh, has the virus is fine, uh, mild symptoms, um, but we're just going to play it safe. So that's why we're doing it like this. Super thankful for our team, always going above and beyond to try to make it possible for us to be able to minister to people through the preaching of the word. And I'm so thankful for that. Would you do me a favor real quick? Would you put your hands together and give a warm round of applause to all of our folks who are joining us online today? Man, we're so glad that you're with us. Um, I'm actually going to be joining you online. I am recording this on New Year's Day. I'm looking at the snow falling and it's beautiful, uh, at least from my window it is. I haven't had to shovel the driveway yet. Um, and so that's what I'm going to be doing. I'm going to be joining you online. I want to say as we get started... Wow. Congratulations and welcome to 2021. Can we give a round of applause? We made it. We got through it. We got through what will probably go down as one of the hardest, most difficult, maybe even the worst year ever. And I don't know about you, but I have no interest in wanting to go back and repeat 2020. Uh, as we used to say on the basketball court, let's run it back. No, no, no. I don't, I don't, I don't want to run it back. I've had enough. I'm, I'm done. Um, but man, can I, just, can I just take a moment and just celebrate um, what I believe is the exclamation point that God has put on 2020, at least for us as a faith family. We started uh, this year with a vision and a dream to engage our hearts with missions. And God did a number of things throughout the year, but one of our visions was to be able to write a $78,000 check to Compassion International to be able to fund a feeding center, a nutrition center in Buenaventura, Colombia. And we attempted the impossible, a church our size, a church of our age, we're only two and a half years old, has no business writing a check like that. And I just have to tell you, I've had the opportunity to know about this for a little bit, um, to process it for a little bit. And now I get the opportunity to come and celebrate with you because I, I well, let me just say we've got, we've got bad news and good news. I'll give you the bad news first um, because it can only get better from there. The bad news is, is we are not able to write a $78,000 check. We, we just couldn't do it. The good news is, is because of your generosity, because of you taking a step of faith, because of you putting your faith in motion for God and us doing it as a faith family, God has gone in motion for us and for his glory. And we are going to be writing a check um, over $90,000 
dollars. Matter of fact, the last count that I heard uh, is that we were going to be around $92,000. Listen, can we put our hands together? Can somebody hoot and holler in this place? Come on, somebody. That That is amazing. It's incredible what God has done. Man, we are going to be a part of the story that God is writing for 2020, not just all of the things that are in the negative, but we get to be a part of this incredible story of how God has ended 2020 with an exclamation point by doing something that is absurd for his glory to impact people that we will probably not meet on this side of heaven, but on his side of heaven. And man, when we get there, it's going to be amazing. And churches have to tell you, I'm just, I'm blown away. Um, I've had to have some moments with God to just say, God, I can't, I can't wrap my brain around this. Um, What a faith step that you have taken and that we have taken and that we have seen that even in the midst of all of the negative of 2020, God is so good and God is so faithful. If I can, if I can, let me get a big amen. If you're in the chat, let me see a chat. Amen. Come on, somebody, man. It's so good. I want to start today um, by just, hey, welcome to 2020. Like we said, we're, we're here. And I believe that God has something really significant in store for us in these first days of 2020. And as we go into this new phase of 2020, um, God has taken me to a passage of scripture and he is, he has helped me understand something, um, that, that it has been really helpful for me. And he's done it by framing life with a metaphor. And it's a metaphor that I, I don't enjoy. I don't appreciate. I don't like, but we find this metaphor in Hebrews chapter one or Hebrews chapter 12 and verse one. I want you to notice what, how God frames life. It's one of his more common framing of life, metaphors for life. And this is what he says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. <laughs> what God is doing is he's saying life is like a race and our job is to run it. And I just got to tell you, I don't like it. I don't like it because I don't like running. I hate running. Uh, I've talked about it from time to time. I like to work out. I, I like doing CrossFit and I like doing CrossFit because it's not the same thing all the time. Um, and because it's not just running all the time, but every once in a while they program running into the workouts. And every time that I see it, I'm usually not very excited about it. In fact, the week before Christmas, they programmed a one mile run outside the week before Christmas. It was in the 30s, y'all, and I'll be honest with you. I saw that that was in the plan for the workout, and I I had to confess and repent of some of the four-letter words that I was using in my mind and thought about using to my coaches about, what the heck, why are we running when it's 37 degrees outside? Shouldn't be doing that. Something wrong with you? It's bad. But I, 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 I confessed and I did it and I didn't like it, but, but I, I did it. And I'm just of the opinion that large people like me just aren't built to do those kinds of things like running, especially when it's cold outside. But listen, here's the deal. God uses this metaphor for us, I believe, for a very significant reason. Because for every single able-bodied person, meaning you have the ability to move all of your body, then you are capable of running. Now, you may not like running. It may not feel good to run. You may feel like I can only run two steps, but the reality of it is if you can stand and you can walk, you can run. 
The thing that makes running so difficult is because for most of us, we don't like it because we don't like the way it makes us feel. Uh, it hurts to run. Sometimes it hurts in the joint. Sometimes it hurts in the lungs. Sometimes it hurts in the head. Uh, sometimes it just hurts everywhere and running just kind of feels like dying. I, I, I don't know what it is for you, but, but some of us don't like it. And the reason we don't like it is because we've not conditioned ourselves to be able to run. We don't, we don't like the way it makes us feel, so we kind of end up being lazy. And so we don't run. We don't exercise. We don't do those things. The truth is, is that for some of us, the reason why we don't like running is because we have picked up some things along the way that make us a little fluffy. And I am public enemy number one, especially right now after Thanksgiving and Christmas. But the reality of it is, is the reason why we don't like running is because, well, it, 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 we've gotten lazy. We don't, we don't like we don't like what it costs us. We so oftentimes want the, the payoff without the pain. We so often want um, the, the, the benefit without, without the sacrifice. And what's true physically is also true spiritually. Um, that, 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 that we oftentimes grow accustomed to not taking the steps of faith that God wants us to take. And because of that, we grow spiritually lazy. And so we, when we go through difficult times and difficult seasons like 2020 was, well, it, it, it can cause real problems for us because we've grown spiritually lazy and we haven't, we haven't exercised spiritually. But God tells us that in order for us to run this race, that there are some things that we need to do. He knows that it's not going to be simple. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be difficult. But there are some things that we've got to do in order to be able to run the race well, and this is what he says in the first part of that verse. He says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. You know what he's saying? He's saying that, 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 that sin, that those are the things that we do that violate God. Those are the things that are um, um, against God's will, against God's word, against God's ways um, that, that, that we do that, that are offensive to God. And here's what God says. Those things that are sinful, you, you think that um, you know, that it's just stuff that you can do for fun and, and stuff that, you know, it's, it's going to be okay and it's not hurting anybody or, or, or why does God even care? But here's what God says. When you run with sin in your life that you haven't released and confessed and turned over to God, it ensnares your feet. The word picture here is that it's like a cable has wrapped around your feet and you can't move your feet anymore to be able to run the way that you're supposed to. That's what sin does. But I want you to notice the second thing he says. Um, he actually says this first. He says that there's this weight that you carry. Now, weight, th th these, these aren't sinful things. These aren't things that God says, you know, thou shalt not do this. These weights are things that are decisions that you have made throughout the course of your life that are simply unwise decisions. Maybe it was an unwise relationship decision, an unwise career decision, an unwise financial decision, whatever the case may be, that these aren't, these aren't sinful things. These are just not wise things that you have done, decisions that you have made, actions that you have taken. And because of that, what happens as a result of those unwise decisions, then it's like you've picked up a weight and if you've ever tried to run with a weight, well, it's, it's harder. As a matter of fact, in my gym, they will oftentimes uh, program workouts that are to be done with a 20-pound weighted vest. Now, it might be a total shocking surprise to you that um, there has yet to be a workout that I have done and the coaches have looked at me and said, hey, you need to put the weight vest on. This is going to be too easy for you. Um, that has never happened. It's one of my goals that maybe at some point I can reach a point of physical fitness that it can happen. But until then, I'm just going to look around the room because it almost never happens that there's anyone else in the room that weighs what I do. 
I mean, at 6'5", 245 pounds, I'm looking around the room going, y'all can put on a mini weight vest you want to. You're not going to carry as much weight as I'm carrying. So get on my level. <laughs> but the reality of it is, for those who are really fit to just do a regular workout, it's not enough. They need to put an additional weight because it's harder. It's heavier. It taxes the body more. And that's what happens with these unwise decisions that we make. It causes us to go through life and to run this race in a way that, that is just harder than it needs to be. And when we have sin in our life, it makes it so that it's impossible because our legs are wired up. It's impossible for us to be able to move forward. And so God is saying, listen, life is like a race and your job is to run it. And if you're going to have a chance of running it well, you need to drop the weights and you need to get rid of the sin that's in your life. But what God is doing with this, with this metaphor, and ultimately where I'm trying to go with this is to help you see that that what God wants us to understand is that as is the case with any long distance race, that, that there are different stages, there are different phases. Sometimes they're called legs of a race. And, and these, these stages are, are different. There are some stages and in, 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 in what is true in, in some seasons of our life where some stages of the race are just easier than others. I know for me, when I'm running, it's usually easier when I'm running downhill. When I'm running downhill, it doesn't, it's not as difficult for me to move my body. And um, I, I kind of feel like the wind's behind me a little bit. And so usually when I'm running downhill, I shake my arms out to kind of get the blood flowing in my arms again. I, I'll take some deep breaths to, to, to overload my body with oxygen and try to, try to give myself a little bit of a pep talk, like, all right, this is the easy part of it. Flush the blood, flush the system, get some more oxygen and let's go. But then there are other stages and other legs of the race that they're not easier. They're not harder. They just kind of are. They're just kind of steady. It's just part of the, 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 the regular requirement of the race. And, and so those are those flat, steady places where, where you're just thinking about, I'm going to get into a good rhythm. I'm going to control my breathing. And I'm just going to kind of try to enjoy, even though my body's screaming at me, I'm just going to try to enjoy my surroundings and what I can see. But then there are the, the legs of the race that are just the long, steep, uphill climb. And can I just be honest with you? That's kind of what 2020 was for me. And I, I believe it's probably that way for a lot of you that the 2020 was the season of life. It was the leg of the race. It was like, man, is this ever going to get, am I ever going to get to the top? Am I ever going to be able to, to not have to work this hard to be able to move this far? And I know for me, when I'm running and, and I get to a hard part of the course that I'm running or the place that I'm running, um, I'll set little goals in my mind. All right, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to stop this pace. I'm not going to quit running until I get to the top of the hill. And the place where we run at our gym, there's a place that's got a little bit of an up in, incline. And I've done it enough to know that once I get to the top of that, then it levels off. And then there's a little bit of a decline that comes after it. And so in my mind, if I can just get to that point, then, then I, I can be okay. Let me get through, let me grit through the hard part. And then it'll ease up a little bit. And can I tell you, I believe that's what so many of us have done in 2020. That so many of us have, have, anticipated that with this next thing will, will come a reason for us to have hope, right? This happened in the spring. We got to the spring and it was a quarantine and all this stuff went down. It was, Hey, let's just get to the summer. We can get to the summer. I, I can see and I can anticipate why we can have hope for the summer because this is going to be behind us and we'll be able to travel and, and let's just get through it. And summer came and summer went and, and we were still in the middle of it. 
And then it was like, well, let's just get to the election. Let's get past the election. So we, we moved our anticipation of hope again to get past the election. And, and then it happened, and here we are. We're still, and some would argue, things got more chaotic after the election. Then it was, well, let's just let's move the needle again. Let, let's move the finish line again back to 2020. And, and let's just get to 2020 because, because then we'll have a reason to hope 2020, 2020 will be behind us and 2021 will be ahead of us. And man, then we can have a reason to hope. And maybe, maybe the idea of, of the race and running is not the metaphor that's appropriate. Maybe the metaphor that is more appropriate certainly maybe feels like it for me is that, that I feel like I've just been in a, in a big boxing match with somebody who is just vastly superior to me in every way. And in every single one of those situations, let's just get to the next thing. And finally we get there and I would think, man, the bell rings. Whew. All right, the fight is over, but it's not. It's just the next round. And for a lot of us, we feel like 2020 has knocked us flat on our back on the mat. And for a lot of us, we, we have stopped anticipating hope. And what I mean by that is that we, we have a good reason to believe that the rest of the world is not always going to be like it is now for the, for the end of time. It's not going to be like that. But, but for so many of us, we've given up on anticipating hope, meaning when we can believe or have hope that things will, will feel right and okay and normal in the world again. And, and that extends so much further than just a vaccine and a mask. I know, I know. For me, for a long time, I thought, man, let's just get the vaccine. We get the vaccine, and then everything's going to be okay. People will get it. Some people won't. doesn't matter. But, but, but it's going to be out, and that's just going to bring a resolution to things. And I can remember reading almost barely a week after the vaccine went public that they found a new strain of the virus, and they weren't sure how the vaccine was going to work with it. And I just thought, oh. Again, I just felt like the rug was pulled out from underneath me. I felt like one more shot to the ribs and lying on the mat. And can I just tell you, I believe that for so many of us, we're asking the question, so now what? We made it. Woohoo! 2021, good riddance. Hello, or 2020, good riddance. Hello, 2021. So now what? I believe that's a reasonable question because, because we've moved the marker. We've moved the finish line so many times. And, and I think it's, it's reasonable that we would get to this point. And, 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 and I think maybe probable for most of us, we're like, okay, so now what? Now what do we do? I've, I've been disappointed so many times. I've been, been hit in the gut so many times. I'm, I'm flat on my back. So now what? Now what do we do? I remember going into this Christmas break. And I remember normally Christmas break for me is a time to get rested and to get time with family and to, you know, sleep in and, and enjoy so many different elements to just time away from work and the normal ups and downs of life. And honestly, I went into this Christmas break thinking, man, I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I'll ever feel rested again. I can be really honest. I went into this Christmas break kind of not super excited about the time with my kids. I love them. Man, I'm, I'm crazy in love with my kids and care about them. But I just feel like I, my patience is worn thin. My ability to care about and care for people has just been worn thin. And, and I just like, God, I don't know that I can, 
I can be what I need to be for my kids this Christmas break. And even though it was a time away from work and a time that normally is reliable to be able to recharge the batteries, I kind of went into it wondering, God, I don't know. Maybe you feel the same way. So we asked the question, so now what? Well, I believe that God has wants to teach you something that he's been teaching me. And, and here's, what my, here's what my goal is for this entire series. We're calling it the comeback, by the way. I'll talk more about that in a minute. But my goal for this entire series is to just restore the anticipation of hope. And so the title of today's message is, So Now What? And I believe that what God has been doing for me and what I want to help you do is see that there's, there are some things hidden in this metaphor that God gives us that life is a race that he wants us to understand. And, and, and I believe that if we will understand that, then what we'll understand and what we'll see is that we have just as much, if not more reason to anticipate, anticipate hope now than we ever have. Let's go back to the text and let's see. It says this in, in Hebrews 12, 1, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So the assumption is, is that we're going to run the race. We're going to get up and we're going to do it. We're going to get in the game and we're going to run the race. But he tells us how we're to run the race. We're to run the race with endurance. What does this mean? It carries with this idea that someone who is steadfast and unmoved from their purpose. Now, for so many of us, this is a difficult thing because we don't really know what our purpose is. We don't know why we're here. We don't know why there's still breath in our lungs. And one of the missions of our church is, uh, is we want to help people discover life, discover belonging, discover purpose, and make a difference. And so one of the things that we're really passionate about is connecting with people on a personal basis, on, a, on an individual basis to get to know them, and to take you through a journey, through a process that can help you begin to answer some of life's most burning questions. Mark Twain said it this way. If you've been around for very long, you've heard this. You've heard me say it, that the two most important days in people's lives are the day they're born and the day they figure out why. Can I tell you that me knowing my purpose and Jessica knowing her purpose has served so much encouragement and motivation through this incredibly difficult year. There's so many times over the years, Jessica and I were kind of lamenting different things that happened, different hard conversations, different relationships that felt like they got fractured, that Jessica and I would have these conversations and it it was hard. It was difficult. It was painful. But it was so clear to me in those, in those moments. I remember one time in particular, I was on the phone with Jess after a really hard conversation. And I just remember feeling broken and upset. And she said, and God put on my heart, listen, this is what you signed up for. This is what you were made for. This is what I created you for. And it's not that God created me to be hurt by people or, or to face difficult things or to face disappointment. But God wired me to lead people to him through his church. And so some of these things is just going to be a part of the process. And I remember saying, babe, this is what we signed up for. This is what we've given our lives to. This is what God has called us to. And so that, that purpose has given us endurance. But I want you to notice what he says elsewhere in scripture, because James tells us this, James says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. So when you go through hardship, when difficulties, when you get gut punched time and time again, when you get persecuted for being a follower of Jesus, whatever the case may be, this is what he says. Know this, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. This word patience that here is the same Greek word that's translated as endurance 
in Hebrews. You know what God is trying to say? He's saying, listen, you have to understand that in the same way that the physical strain that you put on your body when you go and exercise, when you go work out, it creates more capacity. It creates more endurance. It creates you and positions you to be able to run the race well. In the same way that you do that physically, the testing moments, the testing seasons, the hard legs of the journey test your faith spiritually. And it it, it creates a greater endurance. It creates more patience. I want you to notice what happens because this is a prerequisite to the kind of faith that we all want. Because notice what he says. He says um, in verse four, but let patience, there's that same word again, let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. You see, what God is saying is, is that, that the faith that we want where, where we never question things and, and we always have confidence in who God is and where he is. And, and even if I don't understand what he's doing, I can have confidence knowing that he's the one that's doing the work. That kind of faith, you don't just stumble into that. You don't just find it. That kind of faith is forged. And it's forged through the testing of your faith. Because the testing of your faith forces you to get off the spiritual lazy chair and to work and to put your faith into motion. And when you do, it it expands your faith muscles and it creates greater capacity so you can have more endurance and more patience, which does a perfect work so that you can be complete lacking nothing. You see, this is why this is so important. And for some of us, As we've looked at 2020, the reason why for some of you, the reason why 2020 was maybe harder than maybe what it needed to be, maybe for some of you, the reason why 2020, when you look at it in comparison to other people's 2020 and you think, man, mine is just so much more difficult. Why is it this way? Can I tell you that in all probability, the reason why that is for you is because you ran the leg of 2020, that part of the race, carrying some weights of some foolish decisions, some unwise decisions that that weren't sinful, but you made bad decisions along the way that made the journey more difficult, made the race more difficult. And for others of you, the reason why 2020 was so difficult is because you have sin that's in your life that you know God does not want for you. You know that it's not right for you to continue to live this way, walk this way, talk this way, do those things. You know that, but you are still holding on to it. And so 2020 was more difficult for you because you chose to run the race with your legs tied together because of the sin that you continued to choose instead of confessing that sin, repenting and turning away from it, allowing the grace of Jesus to forgive you for it so that you can stride and stretch your legs to run that leg of the journey again. And what I believe that God wants for you is that, that he wants you to see that, listen, you, you want, if you want to run this race... If you want to run it with endurance, you got to drop the weights. You got to, you got to confess the sin so that you can run the way that God designed you to run. And as important and significant as all of this is, the part that's been most significant for me is the part that's found in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2. This has served as an anchor for me. It's gotten me through so much of the hardship, not, not just in 2020, but in my life. And, and man, I want this for you, and, and I want to teach it to you. It says this, looking unto Jesus. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher 
of our faith. Can I just tell you that the solution to so many of the things that we struggle with is to look to Jesus and follow him. If 2020 has taught me anything, it's taught me that I'm not nearly as smart as I think I am, that I'm not nearly as good of a leader or pastor or father or husband as I think I I am, that I'm not nearly as clever or strategic as I would like to believe that I am, and that I don't have nearly as much control over things as I would like to have. But 2020 has also taught me that despite all of that, when I look to Jesus, Scripture says that that His strength is made perfect in my weakness. And looking unto Jesus and following Him serves as an anchor in those moments when my ability just doesn't seem to be enough. My understanding doesn't seem to be enough. Why? Well, He tells us because Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. What does he mean by that? Well, he, 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 means, he means this, that, that Jesus is the chief example for us to follow. That's what he means when he says that he's the author of our faith. He's the chief example. He lived on this earth, and, and Scripture tells us in Hebrews chapter 4 that he, just like you and just like me, he was tempted and he went through things just like you do and I do. In Matthew chapter 4, the Bible tells us that Jesus, before he started his public ministry, went into the wilderness without food and water for 40 days. And the, and the devil himself showed up to tempt Jesus. Now, Jesus, here's what you have to understand. Jesus is a part of the Trinity of God. All right, this is a theological concept that you don't ever see that word in Scripture, but the concept is there all throughout that God is a three-part being. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And just like you are a three-part being, you have a body, you have a mind, and you have a soul. The same way, God is a three-part being, and Jesus is a part of that. He has incredible authority. Jesus is the one who created everything. And he could have exercised his own authority to do his own thing and, and just kind of usurp God the Father and say, God, I don't care what your plan is. This is really hurtful. I don't like this. I don't like this pain. And so I'm just going to bypass your plan and bypass your will, and I'm going to do what I want to do. But that's not what Jesus does. Instead, instead of choosing to bypass the Father's will to get food or to test his Father's protection or his Father's lordship, instead what Jesus did is he chose to wait and trust and rely on God for everything and in everything. Listen, that's what Jesus did. He was the model the example for us to follow. But not only is he the author of our faith, it says that he is the finisher. Perhaps your version says the the, um, perfecter of our faith. What does that mean? It means that Jesus carried it out to completion. When Jesus was on the cross, he cried out, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. It is finished. And in that moment, every purpose for Jesus' life had been completed. That when scripture said that the lamb of God, that's Jesus, was to be slain before the foundation of the world, meaning from before time began, Jesus was always going to go to the cross and die. In that moment, Jesus completed. It wasn't just his life that was done, but the purpose of his life to make it possible to atone or to cover or to make right the relationship between God and humanity that he had always wanted. He always wanted us to be close, but sin crept in and it created a space between humanity 
humanity and God. And in that space crept things that God never intended to be part of the story for you or for me. Things like illness and disease and addiction and insecurity and and death and heartache and depression and anxiety and worry. All of those things came into the gap that was created between us and God by sin. But when Jesus died, he perfected the faith. He finished it. He made it possible for God and humanity to be close once again. And so what I realize is that for some of us, this concept of what I've just talked about, it's familiar. You've come across it. You've lived this way for a long time. For others of us, this is going to be a difficult thing to wrestle with. But by faith in Jesus who is the author and the finisher of our faith. When we look to him, he he works in us. He works through us. And what I believe that God wants to do in us and through us in 2021 is I believe that he wants to make 2021 the year of the comeback. In fact, that's that's the the title of this series. And that's the theme for us for, for the entire year, the comeback. And the verse that I hope that you will memorize, that you will anchor deep into your soul, the verse that we're going to cling to as a faith family this year is right here in Hebrews 12 too, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. You see, when I was praying through this and working through this, God, where do you want our church to go in 2021? What do you want for us? God began to lay this idea of the comeback on my heart and put this verse of scripture on my heart. And, and I'm like, man, I, I, that, man, that's exciting to me because, you know, everybody likes a good comeback story. Um, so many stories in Hollywood have been written from that and, and, and the underdog story in sports. And, and I love the, 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 the comeback idea. And as I was praying through it and working through it, God began to put an image on my heart from, from when I was just a boy. And it felt so appropriate to where we are. And I just want to share it with you because um, I didn't know that this idea of the comeback was woven into things in pop culture. So as a kid, me and my stepdad, Larry, uh, we used to watch wrestling all the time. All right. Now, listen, I'm not talking about wrestling. All right. That's what they do when they got the earmuffs on and the, they're in the circle thing and they're wearing their, their, their onesie and all that. All right. That's not what I'm talking about. That, that's wrestling. I'm talking about wrestling. All right. I'm talking about WCW. I'm talking about WWF before WWE was even a thing. I'm talking about icons like Hulk Hogan. Come on. Does anybody know? I can't see you, but come on, look around. Somebody's got their hand raised, knows what I'm talking about. Man, I love watching this as a kid. And, and Hulk Hogan was just an icon. He was my favorite wrestler. And, 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 and his fans were called Hulkamaniacs. And he would, he would wear these shirts that were a little ripped up and he would come out and rip his shirt open and flex his muscles and and I just loved it. I I was all in and, 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 and he was always kind of the hero and uh, they would always tell this story. There was always this, this, this story that they would tell and listen, don't try to tell me it's fake because it's not fake. It's 100% real. Okay. It is just let me enjoy this. But they would tell this story and there would be a villain that would show up and they would, they would argue and jaw jack for, for weeks on end leading up to their big wrestling match. And they would get in the wrestling match and, and inevitably the villain would start to win. 
and, and, and the villain would just be beating Hulk Hogan to a pulp and, 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 and he would be in the middle of the ring and the villain was, was yelling at the crowd and the crowd's going, boo, boo, and, and the villain's just eating it up. He's like, come on, give me, I'm going to whip his tail, all this stuff. And, and then he would come and he would put, the villain would put his finishing move on Hulk Hogan. Now, I have seen the villain and I've seen his finishing move and nobody ever gets out of the finishing move. It just doesn't happen. When they get in the finishing move, it's done. It's over. And so the villain would come and, and put the finishing move on Hulk Hogan. And, and, and he, even though he was kind of laying there, kind of unconscious, as soon as the finishing move goes on, was put on him, he would start oh, flailing and screaming like he was in so much pain. And eventually it'd be like he passed out. And the ref would come over and the ref would, would, would raise his hand and it would drop. And if he did it three times, it means the match was over and, and the crowd is getting quiet and, and the ref would raise Hulk Hogan's hand again and it would drop. And the ref's looking around and the villain's going, yeah, I'm going to win. And, and then Hulk Hogan, about this time, the crowd would start clapping, Hogan, Hogan, Hogan. And the ref would come over and lift up Hulk Hogan's hand one more time and it would fall almost to the mat and then boom, right before it hit the mat, he would stop it. And in that moment, poof, hope was sparked and the crowd would cheer, oh yeah. And then Hogan, he would, he would catch his hand and he would start tapping his hand like this and he did, people would start clapping and he would start clapping his hand on the mat really fast and people are, whoa, whoa, come on Hulk Hogan. And Hulk Hogan would just feed off the crowd and off the energy and he would start pushing and wrestling around trying to get out of the, the finishing move, which nobody ever got out of. And then eventually the crowd is cheering and yelling and clapping and screaming. And, and it's like he was feeding off of the crowd and he got this new energy, this new strength. And against all odds, he would, he would somehow get out of the finishing move and he would reverse it and he would, boom, he would be punching his, the villain on the head and, and the villain would just get rocked again and again. And with every punch, the crowd would cheer louder and every punch, the crowd would cheer louder. And then eventually he would, he would take his, his opponent and he would throw him across the ring and the opponent would run and bounce off of these ropes and run back towards Hogan and Hogan would stick his boot out and catch it, boom right in the face and the villain would fall right on the mat and the crowd's going wild and Hogan's going yeah ooh, and he's just going crazy and the crowd's going crazy because everybody knew what was coming you see what was coming was Hogan's finishing move called the atomic leg drop it just sounds fearsome doesn't it like the atomic nobody survives anything that's atomic and so Hogan would flex one more time and then he would go and he would run to this side of the ring and bounce off the ropes and then he would jump over his opponent and bounce off of this side of the ring and these ropes and come back and then he would come and he would jump up in the air with one leg raised. You could see the crowd in the background, they're cheering and as he jumps up in the air and raises his leg, everyone in the background is going, oh, and the oxygen in the room is just gone and, 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 and it's just super tense and then he would drop down his leg on the neck of his opponent and as soon as he landed the whole arena would go oh, boom and it was it it was done Hogan would roll over and the ref would count one 
two, three, and the comeback was complete. Against all odds, it was complete. And listen to me, here's what I'm trying to tell you. I know that 2020 has felt like your, mat, your back is on the mat, that you have been dealt one huge blow after another. But what I want you to see is that when we look at Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, and we begin to realize something, that this idea of the comeback, it's not just some fake thing that's woven into a fake storyline that, 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 that people will click on and watch to be entertained so that people can make money. No, 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 no. It's something that is so much bigger than this because it's not fake news. That by faith in Jesus, we begin to see that the comeback was his idea. He is the author and the finisher of the comeback. And if you'll stick with me over these next few weeks, then what you're going to see and I, what I'm going to teach you and show you in God's word is that Jesus is the comeback kid. And not only is he the comeback kid, but he is the comeback king. And I'm going to unpack what this means for us today and how it gives us a reason to anticipate hope. But not only that, I'm going to show you in God's word how, how Jesus responds to us when we come back to him. And what he does is he walks with us through the journey as we start trying to navigate life after the comeback. And ultimately what I'm going to show you is that Jesus said that on him he would build his church and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. And that God has huge things in store for his church for 2021. And I'm going to share the vision of God that he has for our church in 2021. But none of of it will connect and none of it will make sense if we do not understand what it means to look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith and understand that I believe that in faith that 2021 will be the year of the comeback for you. I don't know what it means. I don't know what it looks like. I don't know how to put handles on it totally for you. But I believe that, that Jesus is going to bring a comeback in your life because God's word says that, that when we follow him by faith and in obedience, when we look to him, the author and the finisher of our faith, when we follow him, that he can restore the days that the locusts have eaten away. And I don't know what this means for you. I don't exactly know how God is going to work this out for you, but I am believing that 21 is going to be the year of the comeback for you. And 21 is going to be the year of the comeback for his church. And what I want to help you to see is that by faith in Jesus, when we look to him as the author and the finisher of our faith, that every setback is ultimately a setup. And that by faith in Jesus, the best is still yet to come. Listen, that might ring hollow for you. Maybe it seems like to you those are just empty, cliche, preacher man words. But what I'm going to show you over these next few weeks is that when we look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, that he does this comeback thing. And it's only cliche if it's not true. But if it is true, and I believe that it is, then it's not cliche. It's a bold declaration of faith, having confidence in the one who is the author and who is the finisher of our faith. And because Jesus put the finishing move on death and sin and hell, you and I can have a reason to hope. So this is what I would love to do. I want to I want to close by praying for you and then Pastor Chris is going to come and he's going to lead you in a time of invitation because I believe that every time the word of God is proclaimed, it demands a response. And I don't know what that looks like for you. Maybe there are some weights 
that you need to let go of. Maybe there are some sins that you need to confess that, that that's really your first step. As you look to Jesus, there's some things you need to let go of in this new year, in this new leg of the journey so that you can run the race with endurance. And so I want to pray for you. Dear Jesus, I come to you today and I thank you for every person that is with us today that is tuning into this. I pray that you would help them to see you clearly so that they would follow you closely. I pray that they would have eyes to see what it means for you to be the author and the finisher of our faith. I pray that you would help us to identify the weights and the sins that are in our lives that we carry, that ensnare us, that prevent us from running the way that you want us to. And I pray, God, that we would be willing to trust and to surrender to you. And as we do, that we would see you do an incredibly remarkable and powerful work in our lives. Jesus, I am declaring by faith that 2021 is going to be the year of the comeback. I don't know what it means. I don't know exactly know what it looks like. But I do believe that when we look to you, you lead us into places that cause our soul to be revitalized. So God, would you be with us today? In Jesus' name, amen.